Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Sarah Swanberg. Sarah is a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine and co-founder of Indigo Wellness Group, an integrative health practice based in Connecticut. She is passionate about helping her patients understand how it's all connected and loves weaving together the ancient time-honored practices of Chinese and East Asian medicines with cutting edge understanding of the body to help her patients feel their best. Sarah is the author of two books, A Patient's Guide to Acupuncture and Aromatherapy for Self-Care. She lives in Stamford, Connecticut with her husband and two daughters. In this episode, Sarah thoroughly explains how acupuncture works, how it and other East Asian forms of medicine can complement Western medicine, who can benefit from each, and the healing powers these therapies can have, even when you feel like you've tried everything. Sarah also shares how consuming certain foods plays a part in healing various conditions. It's so fascinating. I personally used to get regular acupuncture. I both felt and saw its healing benefits come into play in my own life. And after recording this episode with Sarah, I have a new motivation to find an acupuncturist here in Wilmington. I want that post acupuncture floating on a cloud feeling back. If you felt like you have stress, you can't shake or an ailment or condition that you feel is a lost cause. Having tried every suggested remedy, it may be the time to try acupuncture or another form of Chinese medicine, but first take a listen and learn about it from an expert. Sarah, welcome to the show. I was just saying we have been planning this since last spring when I was in the middle of moving and pregnant and we had your sister Carolyn on as well as one of our first episodes. So I am pumped to have you on today. Uh, well, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It's, we had so much fun chatting last year. I, I remember that. I don't remember when it was, but um, you know, it's just like, I'm so excited about the wellness space and to connect with other people that are too. It's like, it's what lights me up. So happy to be here. Yeah. And you guys are doing amazing things at Indigo Wellness. And I want to dive into that part too, but I'm really curious because I actually don't know that much of your journey and how you got into Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So what led you on that path? Yeah, that's a great question. And it goes back some time. Um, and has a lot to do with my own health journey. So I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was seven years old and, you know, learned to manage that through all the amazing technology that has come to be, especially these days with, you know, I have an insulin pump and a, a glucose sensor. And I always really liked the technology piece of that. And at the same time, when I think back to being, you know, eight, nine, 10, even through my teenage years, I felt like my health was based on a number value and that's it. I would get anxious before those doctor's appointments, like wanting, you know, wondering whether my number would come, my A1C would come in as good or bad. Like that's how I really viewed health. And my, my mom was definitely health conscious. You know, she, she knew the importance of vegetables. And I think we genetically like to eat vegetables in my family. So that's always really helped. Um, but I didn't really understand or really never had any insight on sort of like how the body is connected and how everything sort of works together until probably my college years. I had a friend who I went to college with who was pre-med at the time and then studied abroad in China, fell in love with Chinese medicine, went back to San Diego and studied acupuncture there. And she really opened my eyes to it. I had a treatment for back pain that was like magical. One of those, it was like, you get that cranky back on the airplane. And then, 
it was like night and day in my pain. And I thought, well, that's really cool. And I went to, she was still in school at the time. I went to a class with her and people were taking pulses and looking at tongues and sort of talking about the body in this, this way that I had never really heard before. And it was just something that was fascinating to me. I'm definitely a curious person by nature. I like to like learn more about things. I'm always, you know, asking questions. And it was just something that I thought, well, that's cool. I'm so glad she's doing that. And then fast forward several years, I worked in the visual effects industry in New York City, which is really fun, but pretty stressful. And I started to notice that my sleep wasn't great. My period was really funky. And I went to my primary care doctor who really had no solutions other than like, you could try Ambien for sleep, or you could try an anti-anxiety med if you're feeling stressed out. And I just like knew that was not the answer for me. And I remember that experience with acupuncture. I started going um, to the school that I ended up graduating from, had a clinic in the city. And I really loved the treatments, but more than I loved the explanations of what I was learning from the acupuncturist of how it's all connected. And they didn't care about my A1C. They cared about how I was feeling and how my digestion was and whether I felt hot or cold, all of these questions that I really like blew my mind that they were asking these things and connecting dots. So again, not thinking I was going to take this career switch, I sort of became an advocate for it among friends who had migraines or PMS or digestive issues. I would say like, hey, why don't you try acupuncture? I know it's not something we're like comfortable with or knew much about, but I found it so really life-changing that that's sort of where it was going. And then I met my now husband and boyfriend, and he noticed that I seemed to have this like not quite a passion for it, but a curiosity for it. And he said something along the lines, like, why don't you just go study that? And like, of course, it's not that easy. It's a a four-year, you know, then master's, now doctorate degree. Um, But he planted that seed. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, I'm already on this career path. And I just think it's cool. Um, But I was finding myself more interested in reading up about the body in this holistic way. And the rest is history. One day, I just was like, you know what? I'm done with this world, this sort of 24 seven stressed out world. I know it's affecting my body. I started to see a difference in regular acupuncture, just in my blood sugar control and started to understand the bio, like more bio medical side of that with cortisol and blood sugar. And so I've always had this very like East West space in my mind because I'm here thanks to modern medicine and insulin and, um, I find all of that so important. And yet I felt like there was so much more to the body. Um, And so that's what I do now. I try to weave it all together for people and hold space for all of it. And I think that's sort of in this very polarizing world we're in right now, it's hard. People want you to pick a camp, whether you're like (laughs) Western medicine all of the way or you're alternative, which I don't really like that term. I think it's complimentary. I think there's a time and a place for all of it. Um, But yeah, I've become just so passionate about it because I think in women's health, especially, there's just a lack of that kind of care of that, like listening and trying to figure out what's going on and what we need to treat and where the root causes are, but also treating the symptoms. We just, we've missed that somewhere. And the nice thing is I do find we're headed more that way. And I think part of it too, is that people aren't willing to take no for an answer anymore. Like people aren't willing to just go on a medication or they're not willing to not have their questions answered. So I see such a bright future for this space. Um, and I'm still learning a lot of it myself. I've been to acupuncture, not 
regularly when we lived in California, I was going regularly. Um, but I haven't found one or I haven't even looked for someone here. Welcome to new baby life, but I really want to get back to it. So I'm curious, Sarah, for myself, but then our listeners, can you just explain what acupuncture is and what a session would look like for someone if they're really curious to start going? Absolutely. And I think you're right. We are headed in this direction where people, you know, it's the blessing and the curse of the internet these days. You can Google and find your own answers, which is amazing. Finally, some of the power is back in our hands and it can be an icky place and a, and a confusing place right now. So that's sort of like what I think we all have the duty to do is try to like help people through this. Um, but yeah, so acupuncture is one of the tools in the toolbox of Chinese medicine or East Asian medicine. There's a lot of change sort of going on in the profession here and a lot of understanding of sort of what Chinese medicine or East Asian medicine in the United States looks like compared to the really long and deep history and the history of this medicine that spread out into Korea and Japan and other Asian countries. So <laughs> that's a whole conversation for another time, but something I think all the acupuncturists in the United States, especially white ones like myself, like we really have to be thinking about and pushing that conversation forward a little bit. Um, but acupuncture is the tool that we, we, that most people think of when they think of Chinese medicine. Although I also, in my degree, I also have training in herbology. Uh, we do cupping, we do moxibustion. There's several sort of pieces of this, but in general, it is the use of tiny needles. And of course they're not hypodermic needles. And people are like, oh my God, how can I relax with needles stuck into me? You almost need to like lose that idea in your head. They're, they're hair thin needles and they're essentially helping to redirect chi flow in the body. So most people are familiar with this yin yang symbol. Um, yin is darkness and light and heaviness and yang is, um, is brightness and activity and all health in the body sort of rests on this balance. And it's, it's a really beautiful way of explaining homeostasis in the body of how everything is sort of working to balance each other. And when that yin and yang become imbalanced, it interrupts the flow of chi or our vital energy through the body. And acupuncture helps to restore that. I like to think of it as like, we, we are sort of traffic cops. We have all of these pathways in the, in the body, these energy meridians, and we have to figure out where in the like subway system, we need to turn on the lights and turn off the lights. And it's not always where the, you know, train congestion is. Sometimes it's like you're on a train and you're, you know, you're frustrated that it's not moving well up in Harlem, but the issue with the light is down in Soho. This will only really make sense for our New York city listeners, but it's, you know, you, it relates to anywhere really where we have these like mass metro systems. Um, you could be in a, in a traffic jam, but the car accident is way up ahead. So my job is to try to figure out where those imbalances lie and help to redirect the energy. But what it also is doing is really helping to balance our nervous system. And these days we are just like in fight or flight, all the time. We've had this like low grade fear response going on in most people's bodies for going on three years now. And it, it takes us out of that rest, digest and repair mode where things were like, that's where our health really is. That's where we recover from things. That's where we fight inflammation. And when that flip is just constantly switched in the other way, a lot of chronic diseases start happening. Um, we see a lot of pain and, um, emotional issues and 
uh, hormonal issues. And so what we're really doing with acupuncture is helping to stimulate that, um, that balance and bring you back down if you're too close to the ceiling. And that has been shown, um, now with functional MRIs where they're really trying to figure out, you know, for a long time, it was like, does acupuncture even work? Is this placebo? And I think a lot of people thought that with more science, it would show that this is all just like, you know, you have to believe it. And I always joke, it's not the Easter bunny. Like (laughs) this is real. It helps if you believe it like anything else. It helps if you believe your knee surgery is going to work too. Um, but yeah, we're trying, um, or, or we're seeing now that there is really this increase in neurotransmitters that happens with acupuncture. There's an increase in like anti-inflammatory markers in the body. So there's still a lot of science that needs to come out. Um, but essentially it's helping people feel better by encouraging their bodies to heal. Long <laughs> yeah, no, but well, it's, it's needed, right? It, it comes with a long explanation because it can do so many things. And I'm curious, who do you think are the people listening the most that could benefit from acupuncture? Like if someone's listening and they don't even know maybe that they're not feeling well or they're not feeling well, but they're like, well, I don't know if that, if acupuncture would help my symptoms or like, just what do you see in your practice the most? I think unfortunately in the United States, outside of like the the big cities like New York and LA and San Francisco, where people have been sort of open to this for a little bit longer, people tend to find acupuncture as a last resort as they've tried everything else Mm -hmm. and they're working, they've been through it. Um, And so they're like, you know what? fine. I'm going to lie on a table and get stuck with needles. And I get it. Like that doesn't always sound appealing to people. And they come in and they're like, why didn't I try this sooner? It's so relaxing. Um, or it was so effective, but I think most people come to it outside of that last resort when they're just like, so wound up, they're so stressed out. They feel like nothing is, is working. And that is uh, those are some of the people I love to treat because they feel so instantly, so much better instantly. I think there's also a lot of research in the fertility world, um, especially people going through fertility treatments when, you know, there's a lot of measurement of outcomes for people going through treatments. So they're always trying to find, and the doctors are much more likely to refer to things that they think might help. And what you hear a lot from the IVF docs is like, I don't know know how it works, um, but it does seem to increase outcomes. So if you have the inclination, like go do it. And so that's where a lot of people start to come in. And then they also, then we'll work on there. And, you know, when people come in for fertility treatments, I say like, yes, I am trying to help you get pregnant, but what I'm really trying to do is help your body get to a place where it's easier to get pregnant. And so sometimes they'll also see that their digestive symptoms improve or their headaches improve because to me, all of those things, all of the symptoms they're coming in for are branches on a tree. And I'm trying to figure out what the root is to get everything operating better. And that's one of the reasons that our intake forms are so long. So if you've ever been to an acupuncturist, you've probably answered, you know, a million questions and you're like, I'm coming in just for headaches. Why do you care about, you know, my bowel movements and my PMS and my emotions? But the way we look at it, you know, I really love this analogy of Western medicine looks at the body more like a car. You have a, a car part, and I don't know anything about cars, so excuse me if I if I butcher this, but if your carburetor is broken or your AC doesn't work, you go to the shop and they fix that part. And then hopefully your 
as good as new. And that's a lot of how more Western or conventional medicine looks at the body. And that's what works really well for emergency situations. Like if you have an appendix, um, you know, inflammation going on, like why would anybody ask about, you know, your headaches or something along those lines? But Eastern medicine really looks at the body more like a garden. So we have, you know, a, a plant that seems like the leaves are kind of brown. They're not doing well yes, you're probably going to prune the leaves off, but you're also going to wonder like, is it the soil? Is it the water? Is it the sunlight? Like, what can I do to make this a more, um, a healthier environment for this plant to grow? And that's the way we look at the body. And sometimes like, people will call and they're like, you know, I think I broke my wrist. Like, can you work on that? And I'm like, go get a cast, go take some Advil and then come to me and then we'll work on the inflammation and trying to kind of restore the systems after a, a trauma or an injury. Oh, Sarah, I'm an analogy junkie. So that one will <laughs> stay with me. That's okay. a great way to think about it. And I'm curious now that you are an acupuncturist yourself. When you had your first experience by having, you know, like that kinky back from a plane ride, what, what do you think was actually going on and how did the acupuncture help? So in that way, it's a little bit more like that car analogy. Like, I think I just had a little bit of a spasm in a muscle and that needle was able to, to kind of like get into that knot and release it. So that's more of this idea of like what people tend to call dry needling and you'll see that going on. And that's a very controversial subject too, but you'll see PTs and chiropractors and other body work um, professions use that. And that's been a part of Chinese medicine for a long time. That's why it's so effective for pain when there's a real musculoskeletal like root to it. Um, but I would also argue, especially these days, there's a lot to like emotional type pain. And we're seeing a lot more of that these days where it's like, stress and we don't know what to do with this combination of like sadness and anger that we're all holding. And it's going to those those weak spots. So those are the people who have tried everything and nothing's working. They've been to the orthopedist, they've gotten the steroid shot. So that's when I'm like, okay, well, where's this pain really coming from? And Chinese medicine has such a beautiful way of looking at the emotions and where they are stored in the body and what the imbalances can look like. And I think Western medicine's coming a long way. Like this idea of mind-body medicine is 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 pretty new and people are really excited about it. However, Chinese medicine wouldn't even separate mind and body. It's always been connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that too. When I'm stressed out, my shoulders hurt, my hips can hurt. And and it's um life it's is just little, harder when you're stressed out. Like everything, harder. nothing feels good. Yeah. And then that becomes that vicious cycle where pain. Mm-hmm we're like the pain is increased and then you're less likely to want to do the things to take care of yourself. So that is part of our job too, is sometimes just like halt those, those things. And when somebody's coming in for pain, like I absolutely want the pain to be better by the time they leave. But I also want them to understand that like, now we need to prevent those, those things from happening. So to your question before people often come as a last resort. And part of my job is to teach them like, okay, now that we've conquer that or heal that symptom. Like we also need to think about what we're going to do to keep you healthy and keep you feeling well and not be so reactive to be more preventative. Yeah. And, and some of what I do too, and I have a lot of integrative medicine training is understanding supplements too. And we're like, those can play a role and herbs. And, you know, there's so much, um, that we're learning about the science of these things. We're just taking like more regular vitamin D and taking fish oil can really help prevent inflammation. And then those, 
you know, including that in your routine makes my job easier in the long run too. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I had my session with you, Sarah, and we were talking about my recurrent UTIs. Luckily, knock on wood, have not had one um, in a long time since getting pregnant. But you were telling me, it just the one thing that always sticks in my head was you were telling me certain foods too to incorporate, and mushrooms is one of them. So now every time I eat mushrooms, and I love mushrooms, I think about how I'm also, you know, hopefully preventing any UTIs, but there were so many aspects to the recommendations you were giving me. And this was all for everyone listening. This was all virtual. I wasn't in for an acupuncture session, um, but there's so much more. And so I'd love to dive deeper into the rest of that toolbox that you have, um, in Chinese medicine and how you incorporate that and what that really consists of. Yeah. I love the nutrition piece of it. I think it's such an important part. And I think when you look at nutrition from this, this way of thinking about things, there's no calorie counting, there's no macro counting. There's not even so much of like the balanced plate idea, the food pyramid that we have, um, you know, in Western medicine, where I think some of those things can be really important, but this is really looking at food as energetic and sort of will take you and your constitution and what kind of foods support you better. And that goes back to this idea that there is no one size fits all. Yeah. So this idea of like one size fits all nutrition where, um, you know, going paleo or going keto, it, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. And I think a lot of people in the nutrition space see that, and they're not exactly sure why it doesn't work for everybody. When you look at this through a Chinese medicine lens, of course it does. And we all have constitutional, um, you know, weaknesses and strengths. And so eating to sort of balance our own personal constitution, but also eating to balance our external environment. So eating more warming, spicy foods in the winter, going for stews um, and soups and adding a little bit more heat to our food is going to be really helpful. Um, but if we live in a really warm and hot and humid climate, we may need to kind of counteract that like hot dampness that's in our, in our external environment by eating more mushrooms and things that have a little bit more of like an astringent quality to them. And it's so fascinating to look at food this way. People really are shocked sometimes when I tell them that maybe their like ice cold smoothie in the middle of winter is part of the problem that they're having with their digestion or their skin or their headaches. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Like I'm getting a green smoothie every day. That's so healthy. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like that's way better than a egg McMuffin, but we need to figure out how to warm that up. Cause your body's like really giving us signs that it's too cold. And we see that a lot fertility issues where there's a coldness that is sort of trapped for people. And we really have to, you know, add in more warming foods. And one of the things that we're so passionate about at Indigo too, is like making it practical. You know, we need to give things, especially busy moms or people that are on the run. Like, I'm not going to tell you, you need to go home and make your own bone broth. Like <laughs> I would love to tell you that, but I know it's not going to happen. So it's like trying to meet people where they are and just, not overwhelm them with information, but say, Hey, try to cut out. Oh, you have sinus infections. Try to cut out dairy, which is so damp the way I think of it in Chinese medicine and see if you feel better, cut out other damp foods. Even bananas have a lot of dampness to them. So for some people removing anything that has that sticky texture is going to help with the sticky phlegm that they can't seem to get rid of. It's so interesting. And it's so fascinating. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, Sarah, can you please make a course for dietitians that talk about food this way? 
Tell me we more. are actually, Carolyn and I are, we've been, you know, it's so funny. Thank you for saying that because we're like, all right, we really need to get on this. Let's just put it out to the universe and somehow it will tell us if we need to do it or not, but we're going to create some CEU courses that really yes. do East-West nutrition because she's a, you know, NYU trained dietitian who had never heard any of these things before. But I, over time, I would give her some of these tips that I heard and she would give me tips back and we would start to see it working in both of our, you know, client and patient populations. And it's this idea, like there's so much more to learn. We're all learning. And so let's try to take what we know. We don't know everything, but let's try to share what we do know um, and see if it can help people. Oh, well, I will be signing up, Sarah. I'll be the first person Um, because it is, it's so, it's so fascinating. And you do get to the point, like I get to the point sometimes with clients where you're trying because everyone's so individual, you're trying different things. And like you said, not one, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And you, sometimes you get to a point where you're like, there has to be something else. And I do feel like this is a missing piece to the puzzle that a lot of people aren't exposed to. Um, and I'm curious to how herbs play a role in your practice. Yeah. So herbs are, are, you know, the foods that we're talking about, that's sort of like food as medicine and herbs just take that to another level. There's a lot of food grade herbs that people know of. So even think about like ginger is a really warm herb, right? It's going to like heat you up when you, when you try ginger. So if you're starting to feel like you have a little bit of cold of a cold ginger is so great. Cause it's going to raise it's hypothermic or hyperthermic. It's going to raise your body temperature a little bit, help you sweat things out and kill that bacteria where mint is really cooling and it tastes really good on a summer day. Watermelon also is watermelon rind is considered a Chinese herb, um, because it has this really cooling effect on the body. And of course we're more interested in eating that kind of stuff. It also grows more in the summer, but it it's when you start to think about the things that you're drawn to at certain times, um, it is fascinating. And then herbs are just, you know, a much more powerful version of that. Yes, they're all natural. It doesn't mean they're safe for everybody. So it's really important to work with an herbalist. And the way, as I explained before, like the way Chinese Chinese medicine works is based on asking you questions about your body. So the formula that I would give you for your headaches is not necessarily the same one I would give somebody else for their headaches. I'm going to want to know what do your headaches feel like? When do they happen? Are they stabbing? Are they achy? Are they dull? Do they feel hot or cold? And people are like sometimes blown away by all of these questions, but that's this way of looking at the body differently. And from there, I'm going to try to find a formula of herbs that all work together to really help balance that out and help you, you heal. And so it's a little bit of slow medicine. It can be frustrating for some people when they're used to, you know, taking that you know, to Advil and feeling better instantly. But what we're really trying to do is look at this from a little bit deeper, not just treat that symptom, but like go back to the root. So I love herbs. I think, you know, people are nervous about them and understandably um, there have been issues in the past. We just make sure we source from really good places. But when you think about all of the potential side effects and risks of pharmaceutical medicines, Herbs are have a, just a much higher safety profile when used um, with somebody who's really been trained in it, and it's a beautiful. There's art to it too, which I think people don't understand always. Oh yeah, and well, and it's also you know sometimes it's a little bit not trial and error, but you try one herb, and if it's not getting the result, maybe there's another. But I'm curious for someone going into an acupuncture appointment, would it be normal, Sarah? Like I know for me, when I was getting acupuncture. Um, 
my acupuncturist was also recommending certain herbs and supplements I take. Is that typical for someone during a session or would they set up a separate session to go through like foods and herbs and things like that? Well, it really depends who you're seeing. There are about a dozen, um, acupuncture, Chinese East Asian medicine schools in the U S and some of them have different types of trainings based on what, um, what system they're teaching. So there are some people that go through a program and don't have any herbal training. I think herbs are super important to the medicine and all of our acupuncturists at Indigo have the same herbal training. Um, but not everybody's comfortable with it. I don't give herbs to everybody. I usually gauge their comfort level. I talk to them about this idea of like one plus one is three when it comes to acupuncture and herbs, and we'll probably get to your goals, uh, more quickly, but I don't always give, or I don't give herbs for people during first trimester or mostly during pregnancy. We don't, give herbs to people undergoing fertility treatments. And while I think that it actually would help in most cases, you know, the, the outcomes are so um, carefully monitored that throwing something into the mix, most fertility doctors aren't interested in that. And so we, we respect that. Um, and some people are just nervous about it or they don't like it. They like think they taste weird. I mean, we have lots of different forms of, we don't give everybody a tincture because yeah, like that, you know, there's definitely a, a herby, rooty taste to a lot of these. Um, so it really depends on what kind of acupuncturist you're seeing, but those of us that have a doctorate in acupuncture and Chinese medicine, that's going to incorporate all of that toolbox of Chinese medicine, where somebody who has either a master's or doctorate just in acupuncture may not have that other piece. No, so I know it's confusing out there, but like they're, they're ask around and we're always happy. I mean, we try to find people, acupuncturists all over just based on our referral network. And, um, it's something to, to ask when you're making an appointment, do you use herbs and do I have to take herbs if I don't want to? No, that's really good to know, especially for people that are going maybe to improve their fertility and they're nervous that they're going to go in and have to start taking all these other herbs. And if it's going to interfere with you know, their current fertility treatments, but I was happy before Sarah too, that you brought up that most people are doing acupuncture as a last resort, because that is how I see most clients or friends. I know they're doing it as like the last thing to their fertility treatment or to, you know, high stress and trying to fix it. Um, but that's the only thing they actually stick with because it feels so good and they do feel results and see results from it. It's the one thing that continues, which I find so fascinating and obviously says so much. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's the thing we hear over and over is like, why didn't I try this sooner? And I always say like, it's never too late. We're so glad you're here. And now you're going to become that person that helps to, you know, educate family members and friends about how effective it is. I think these days too, there's also, you know, most people come into our clinic and we have these like beautiful rooms with warm tables and they lie on the table and they have a eye pillow over their eyes and they may not fall asleep, but it's like the only hour of their week where they're not connected to their phone. And like, there's so much value in that these days too. So I think people find that and they feel like it's the only place where they're, they're able to disconnect because they have to. So I, I, the medicine is obviously so much more than that, but it's, it's something I do for myself too. I'm like, I'm leaving it all outside and I'm going to take this hour and really feel like I can take care of myself. No, that was, that's honestly, it's making me want to find someone here now because that's honestly how I'd feel. I go in, it was like the one time where 
I can't check my phone. I can't be doing anything. I'd be running around like crazy right before my appointment. And then I'd be like, can I just lay here for the rest of the <laughs> afternoon? Like, can I, do I have to leave? But then you also walk out for me, at least feeling lighter and just feeling better. And your first inclination isn't to check your phone and see what you've missed. Um, and that really, that's the brain chemistry of it. That really is those neurotransmitters, those feel good endorphins, um, that are kind of like flushing through. And some people call it the acu high and they do leave and they're like, Ooh, little woo. And I'm like, just sit down for a few minutes, have some water. Um, but it's beautiful to see where people can come in and there, you can just tell they're so wound up and they're stressed. And it's like they, that stress just melts off of them. And when they leave, they just feel lighter and brighter. And I feel like that's the service we can do for the world right now is like send people back out with a little, a little less angst. Um, but yeah, I will help you find somebody I'll, I'll look out, I'll search for you. And I think it's like, it's so, it's so important. And the more we can kind of educate and get this, um, this knowledge out to people that they'll just feel better. And it is, it's like going to the gym, you know, to use, I am an analogy junkie, junkies, just like you, but you know, it's, you're going to feel good after your first session as you would go into your first, whatever class, but it's really about consistency and, and coming weekly and showing up and really committing to yourself. And that doesn't mean life doesn't get in the way sometimes, but it's, it's something that if you're thinking about doing really go into this, knowing that this is slow medicine, it takes time and you really need to be able to come regularly. And lots of acupuncturists take insurance these days and insurance plans do cover it because there's a lot of, lot more, you know, science supporting that this keeps people off medications and keeps them out of the hospital. So if you're skeptical, look at that and look at your plan and try it out. You know, we do have people that come in, try it once and they're like, okay, I'm going to think about this. And they almost always do come back because they come home and somebody in their life is like, wow, (laughs) you seem so much more chill. (laughs) They just feel better too. So my final question, Sarah, was going to be about how you know, how we compare Western methods with Eastern methods and how they complement each other. I feel like you've answered most of that already, but is there anything else you would want to include in how they can complement each other? I think some of it's just the mindset that there's room for both, you know, and that there's not one that's wrong or one that's right. And we see this a lot of times with, cause we do a lot of, you know, psycho-emotional work with people who are anxious and stressed and they want to know, like, can I, can I go on an antidepressant and come to acupuncture? And my answer is always absolutely. You know, sometimes those medications can be lifesavers for people, uh, but sometimes people really want to try to work this through without going to the medication. And I'm always happy to support that too, but I keep it in my mind too. Like at some point, I mean, just like I said in the beginning, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for insulin. And I really understand that, we need to hold space for all of these treatments and there is no one size fits all. And really asking people what they're comfortable with is a huge part of what we do too. Like, do you want to do this every day? Is your goal to try to get off the omeprazole at some point? Cause I can help you do that. And we can do that with herbs and supplements, or if you feel like you're not ready and you don't even want to have that conversation, that's fair too. So just keeping an open mind. And also a lot of what I recommend our patients do is talk to their doctors about what they're doing at with acupuncture and herbs and let them know if it's helping, because I think that's going to help like bridge 
these two worlds too. And I think a lot of times people are like shy, they're nervous because they're afraid of what their doctors are going to say. But my opinion is like, they need to hear more of what is working. And um, I go out of my way to reach out to those other providers that I think are a little skeptical too. Cause I want to know that I want them to know, like I'm here to talk about it and I get it. Like your training is so different than, than mine, but we, there's a place for everybody. That's great, Sarah. We need more people like you. Um, so I'm curious, we always ask our guests, what are some of your own daily, like health and wellness, non-negotiables. And I'm curious about yours, but maybe through the lens, like, are there certain Eastern medicine practices that are part of your daily wellness routine? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, where we live in Connecticut, masks are just coming off and kids are going back to school. And I'm definitely bracing for like our immune systems to get flexed a little bit in a way that they haven't. So I'm taking an herbal formula called immune plus, um, it's based on an ancient formula called Jade windscreen, but it really helps to support our defense. So like our outer immune system, I'm taking that and I'm giving it to my kids as well. And there's other formulas that like the second somebody has a sniffle, we take, and they almost always work, but we also have the more traditional medicine cabinet ready if we need it too. So I'm doing that. I really do think of this, this time of year, it's spring right now and things are starting to like all the, all the buds are starting to bloom, but that energy out there is really turbulent. Like if I know we're all excited about spring, but when you think of what that energy, what it needs to be for these things to kind of like burst out of their shells, people feel it around here. And it's a little angsty on top of everything else going on in the world. So I have to have some of that grounding practice for myself, my husband and I, for Valentine's day, we went up to Kripalu, which is beautiful yoga retreat center in Massachusetts. And we did a yoga and Qigong weekend. And I've taken a lot of those breathing exercises and breath work ideas, um, home. And I try to do it, you know, I'm busy. I have two little kids and I own practice and I can just like everybody else feel like I don't have time to take care of myself, but I keep that in check with like, okay, I have to practice what I preach too. So I, I really have learned to focus more on my exhale than my inhale and really try to get rid of all like stale energy before I take the deep breath. And that was one of those like aha things recently. Um, So, yeah. And I just try to eat as well as we can, but we also live in moderation and I let my kids have some fun sometimes, but we, um, we do have a lot of bone broth. I will say that (laughs) that's a thing in my life and it is for them and for everybody around me. Cause it's so just like nutrient packed. Are you making your own Sarah? I have a few times. Good I for you. <laughs> the way the kitchen smells. Thank God for that instant pot. But no, I buy it. You know, yeah. I go to Whole Foods. We have a couple great local places here um, that make it. And so, no, I don't really have the time or energy or inclination necessarily to make it that often. Um, so I try to make my life as easy as as I can. Too. Yes, same here. Same here. Um, okay, so we have a little rapid fire Q and A. How we love to end every podcast. So first thing that comes to mind. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? Hmm. I live near the water and there's something about just being out and like hearing the water and seeing it that, that brings me to a place of calm that I find hard to get to otherwise. So, uh, coffee or tea coffee all day. Coffee and girl. how do you take it, sir? 
I take it with like a splash of cream. I need something and no sugar yep. at all, but I need, I need something. Um, I know it's not the most popular these days, but I really do actually like a little bit of oat milk. Um, and we make it ourselves. Um, but I always am thinking about my blood sugar too. So I'm trying to find things. I haven't found like a great almond coconut milk that I really love. Yeah. Um, but I do, I drink a lot of tea also. I do love herbal teas, but like I get, I look forward to that first coffee. Well, and you know what? The fat from that cream is really good at helping like not get that huge jolt right away. So there's a plus. Um, I did something recently. Somebody said you should really wait two hours before you get up to have coffee. And I'm like, well, okay, fair. But like the coffee is what gets me out of bed in the morning. (laughs) You know, I love it so much. So I, I mean, I've never heard that it, you know, really, it's just the only thing I try to really have people do is drink a little water before, just because your cells are so dehydrated when you first wake up. And if you throw coffee on it, it's just going to dehydrate more. Like I always like to think of a raisin and just shrivels up more. But if you add a little bit of water first, it'll like plump back up. Um, yes, I should just, have mentioned yeah. that. That is my, that's my thing. I turn the coffee maker on. I have a giant glass of water with a little bit of lemon while it's brewing. So the combo, yes, Carol. Star student, Sarah. I feel so much better when I actually, funny, my kids were leaving this morning and we had a lavender plant that was kind of wilting. And I was like, I showed them as I was watering it. And I'm like, when you come home today, this plant is going to look perkier. And this is why you should drink water when you're in school today. And they were like, okay, mom, whatever. Like they always do that kind of eye roll thing, but it looks great now. I can't wait for them. And they will, yeah, they will think about it. Oh, that's great. Okay, last one. And my personal favorite, favorite home-cooked meal. Mm. I really love a good combo bowl that kind of like hits all the uh, the pieces, like a rice or, or some sort of grain with maybe a little bit of ground beef and like those good warming spices. And I try to get in as many veggies as I can. So that would be my favorite. Just one of those like bowls that kind of has everything and you can mix it all together. I love it. Oh, eating anything out of a bowl is better. (laughs) Oh, well, Sarah, thank you so much. I'd love for you to tell everyone where they can connect with you. Um, or if they want to do a virtual session with Indigo, Indigo wellness, um, and just learn more about what you do and what your team does. Yeah. So we, um, we have two clinics in Connecticut and Stanford and Westport, and we have acupuncturists, we have pelvic floor physical therapists, and we have a nutrition team. And most of those um, services are virtual and we do online courses. We have some hormone online courses that sort of weave this East West together that can be found on our website. Uh, we're always on Instagram. We have a love hate with it, but it's so fun to sort of like help to educate people in these quick and easy ways. Um, so you can find us at Indigo Wellness Group on Instagram and our website, indigowellnessgroup.com. And we do, um, we do do virtual sessions. Now we kind of, we did a lot of that during early COVID days and now we're back in the clinic. So we don't have quite as many spots, but we love to do these sort of East West consults where you'll meet with me and my sister, who's the, our dietitian. Um, and it's just like a really fun way to connect with people all over the country. So reach out and we're always happy to work with people, you know, who have questions virtually um, on any sort of topic, whether it even be herbal recommendations or um, teaching or trying to understand acupuncture. It's great. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy we finally got to do this and hopefully, you know, maybe we can do it again. I would love to. I clearly could talk about this all day and I love talking to you. So thank you so much for having me. 
What I want you to take away from today's episode is to be open to incorporating other forms of medicine and healing that may seem foreign to you with the goal that we want to ultimately be and feel our best. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.